This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. You're listening to the iFanboy Pick and Week Podcast, episode 196. Sponsored by Discount Complex Service, Netflix, and iFanboy listeners like you. i 
Why, hello there. Welcome to the iFanboy.com Pick of the Week podcast, episode 196. My name is Ron Richards, and I'm here with Connor Kilpatrick. Hello. And unfortunately, Josh Flanagan. <laughs> yeah, hey, what's up, man? Yeah, see, that's why. Yeah. <laughs> We're from iFanboy.com, and we love comic books. Uh, we read comics, graphic novels, the whole thing, and every week uh, we get a stack of the monthly comics that come out, and one of us uh, takes turn picking our pick of the week, and we go to the website and we write a review about it at iFanboy.com. We can go read it there, and then we come back here and talk about that uh, pick of the week as well as all the other books that came out during the week as well as anything else that is uh, of interest to us. Um, and before we get started, uh, I want to tell you to stay tuned. We've got a big giveaway this week. We're giving away uh, copies of signed Blackest Night number one by Jeff Johns. So you're gonna want Hell to, yeah. If you're an iFanboy member, you're going to want to stay tuned to see if you won. Um, Are you Duff Man? I, hell, man. Who knows, man? Shit. Let's do it. <laughs> um, before we get to Connor's pick of the week, I'm going to warn you that uh, we're going to talk about what happened in the book, so we might spoil them. So if you haven't read your books yet, press pause or come, and come back later and listen or uh, be warned that we might ruin it for you. Uh, so this week, Connor has the pick, and uh, take it away, my friend. It was a long night. Long night Wednesday. I had You did, like yeah. 21 books. books. I didn't get the pick of the week up until like 2 in the morning, which is I try to get up as fast as possible. And I was just yeah. – I knew about 8 o'clock it wasn't going to be happening anytime soon. I had a lot of books to read. But the best book that I read was Chew Number 3 from Image Comics, writer John Lehman, artist Rob Guillory. If you watched our video show last week, you saw them interviewed by Josh. Yes, it's true. I did. It was weird. They were sitting to either side of me, which is uh, if you're in the, the business, interview rhythm off. Yeah. The business like me, that's difficult. But I handled it deftly. No, you were you handled it like a pro. It was good. Good job. Let's Are you done patting yourself on the back? Yeah. Yes. Hey, hold on. Hold on. There it is. Yeah. I held that camera pretty steady. I was gonna say, Connor, you held that camera really well that time. Uh, unlike what were the, you doing at the time? Unlike, I think okay. I was talking to somebody. Ron, Ron talked to somebody really well, and then he laughed at them like they said something funny when they really didn't. Yep. <laughs> Don't tell them. See? <laughs> Just like there. That's the laugh. So Chew number three came out, and the funny thing about Chew is it's rare a book blows up out of nowhere. It's not from the Marvel DC side. Uh, yep. It's an image book. It's an indie book. And all of a sudden, when the first issue came out, it was everywhere, and it sold out in an instant. And all of a sudden, everyone's talking about Chew. And or I did Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible. Oh, that was mean. But no, it, it's it's really been a while since there's been a breakout book like this. Three issues in. Jeez. The first issue sold out in 48 hours, according to the writer. And we saw ourselves in San Diego. It was selling for $40, which is unusual yep. these days for, um, at for new yeah. – At their table, no less. For, yeah. uh, for, good, good for them to cash in. That's great. <laughs> they were smart because this week the reprints hit. So they're yeah. – goodbye. Yeah. Um, secondary market, but Chew Chew blew up like a book. We, I, don't, I don't. I wrote my review. I don't even know why I bought it because this is the kind of book I'd probably buy in, in trades. But for some reason, I think it was the interesting premise that was hinted at in the solicitation. I picked it up on a whim and made sure that everybody else picked it up when I read it. But, and, I would like to point out that I had bought it before you told me to read it. Whatever, just in case, just in my cred. And um, it, what Chew is 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 more inventive than most books out there. It's really full of these. Fun, imaginative ideas on the on the par with like um, the uh, Umbrella Academy, which is probably the, the book I closest uh, compare it to, even though it's not anything like it. But in terms of big, crazy, imaginative ideas, that's the book I think of when I think of Chu. And it's the story of a of a guy, John Chu, who's an FDA agent, which is the Food and Drug Administration, and in the future, in this future world, FDA is the most powerful law enforcement agency because poultry is illegal because of bird flu. And every, but everybody wants chicken because tofu is gross. And just admit it to yourself if you, if you eat it now. You know it's gross. 
and um, this guy John Chu can eat things, and he's a sibo- he's a sibopath, so he eats things, and he 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 knows all about the history of the food he's eaten from the time it was if it's a if it's a piece of meat from the cows early days to when it what it does when it's a cow to when it's slaughtered to how it's cooked and prepared and all the stuff that goes along with it. It's not pleasurable for him. He hates eating food. He can only eat beets because beets are the only food that doesn't cause him to have these flashes of of sensory memory. And that's so he he's. He's a cop in the beginning of the, of the first issue, and he becomes an FDA agent by the end of the first issue. Now he's a full-fledged FDA agent. And in this issue, number three, he's found love with a woman who can write so so well that she can make you taste food She's in her food, review. She's a food critic, yeah. yeah. Food critic. And, and for the first time, John Shu can taste food. He can read her articles and taste food without having all the sensory memory. And he's, he's ecstatically happy, and she's a pretty blonde, and he meets her, and he falls in love, even though she's got no idea what's going, that he's having these feelings or thoughts or whatever. He keeps meeting her randomly. And I just love the the big fun ideas in this. I love the fact that they they built this guy up who's who's stuck in this spot where he can't eat, and they found a perfect match for him. And they came up with this idea of how can we how can we bring him happiness, and they, they they thought it up with this woman. And it was every time I would read a page, it'd be something new or interesting happening on it. And I just love that sense of discovery when you're reading a comic, which doesn't often happen with some superhero stuff because really at the end of the day, nothing is that surprising. Yeah. It's almost like a romantic farce in mm-hmm. that way. I mean, it's very much that sort of madcap, sort of farcical comedy, uh, in, in, you know, in the romantic sense. Yeah, yeah, but I, but I also like the the like kind of like you said, like the creativity and just the fact that you know, like they introduce this Amelia character, and so we introduce, you know, we see John Chu, and he's a sibopath, and that's a word as, uh, that he made up, I think. I mean, you know, like I don't think that's actually a thing. And they introduce <laughs> they introduce her as a sabo scrivener. You know, right. meaning that she can write about food so accurately and vividly with such precision that people get the actual sensation of taste. And like this whole idea of creating this universe that these people live in, it, it combined with, uh, with Josh, like you said, that farce like approach to it, that comedic kind of approach to the tone is just makes it really, really unique. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also a great art from Rob Guillory who, who, who adds to that, that, that whimsical tone with his art, which is exaggerated. Little legs, big bodies, and this big, is, face, big facial expressions. It's sort of the perfect combination of writer, story, and artist. I thought this was hands down the, fir- the best issue of the three issues so far in my mind. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. I thought it looked the best. And I don't typically like this look, like this kind of like – no, um, Rob Guillory's art kind of reminds me of some of the more um, cartoony video game-like looks. You know what I mean? Like, I know kind, what you mean. Yeah, kind of like, kind of like the um, – like the Grim Fandangos of the world and stuff like that, you know, where it's like this, you know, the, this kind of cartoony characters. And I never really like, like those games, and I don't really like this art style. But for some reason here, it absolutely works and it kicks ass. Like modern cartoon. Yeah, yeah. I, I, if that was going to pick, you know, as opposed to sort of like indie comics cartoon. Yeah, no. It's a, I, I mean, I see a little like Ren and Stimpy, like in the in the annoying boss when his face is all gnarled and stuff like that. Like there's a little John Kirkfalusi kind of style animation. Um, it's very animation influenced, I think. Uh, Feels like it. Yeah. Yeah. But um, but damn, this, oh, well was, this is a great this is a great issue, and uh, it looked it looked the be- it not only did it look the best of it, but it also read the best of all of the three so far. Well, from a, from a standpoint, as I was going through it, and I was actually looking at the craft of it, and it starts off, you know, like if you like go through it and just look at what the different pages do. Like, there's a lot of like he's he's doing a lot of pacing things with the pages and the panels in this. So like the first one, you know, it sets you up. It's a big dark room. It's all one big panel. So I met someone, a girl, you know, and then after that, he slows it way down. He's got a um, like a 12 page panel of like a guy getting a panel page. 
Yeah, or 12-page panel, which is pretty impressive. You have to buy 12 issues, for example, just to look at it. <laughs> you, and, put a, you put them all together like a puzzle? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, like, it's like those old old uh, sports cards. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like, and he slows your way down. And just if you just look at the craft and the way that he does that, like if you've got the issue, go through it and, and look at how he's controlling that kind of pacing, uh, you know, from even from that second page on. It's actually it's really interesting. It's, it's cool to study. This is the best issue. Um, I didn't really love the second one. I thought the second one was more standard than the first. The first had a lot of the imagination that this one did. The second one sort of fell back into a lot of cop story tropes that were sort of not bad, but just sort of normal. It wasn't really that exciting. But this one this one brought the imagination back in full force where you know, I almost like the exploring the world and the characters more than I do any of the cop stuff, which I normally like the cop stories. But for me, the draw of this is, is sort of all the fantastical elements of this world that are happening. And we really had nothing of the chicken in here. It was just sort of the the people in it. Well, I, just, I mean, just, just the introducing introducing the romance the romance angle, and then um, you know giving it, it just gives Tony Chu a little more depth because my fear was that they were going to box him to a corner of okay, you know he eats things and he gets he can get their memories, and they did a really sick thing in issue two by making him eat a dead person to get their memories. And it's like, all right, well, like that that's something that that's a great again. It's like a great idea that how far can you stretch it. And I think by introducing this type of you know writer who writes about what, that you can feel you know feel the food sensations again it's just a way to you know to keep it going almost you know and add tension where you know create tension where it's not previously was and you know may, whether it's right to put introduce that in the third issue or not um, I don't care because it totally worked but if they keep coming up with things like this I know in our interview um, Layman said that he's got a, he's got a long story planned um, sixty so yeah sixty issues which is great and so I just I'm curious to see where it's going to go and what other creative things he can come up with. It'll be interesting to see what he does to get to 60 issues. Because if he does, he's going to have to flesh out these characters a lot. Uh, you know, in a way that right now Tony Chu is 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 fairly three-dimensional. But everybody else is kind of a caricature, I guess. Um, and, you know, if you look at, like, what, what people had to do, like... Garth Ennis had to do in, in Preacher to get to 60 issues or, or, or uh, Why the Last Man or something like that. It, I'm not, not to say there's any indication they can't do that, but it'll be interesting to see how they do. Yeah, and it'll be, it's also interesting. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised now. So this is issue three of five. So I bet you with issue five, with, after issue five, if they're smart with issue six, they put out the trade and it's nine ninety nine. You know, and they and they take the approach kind of like what Irredeemable's doing, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. You know, and, and make you know make the sixth, makes the first issue of the next arc like ninety nine cents to get more people on board. But um, you know, it's just it's it's I, I'm excited to see how this book goes, and I wouldn't mind reading this book for the next couple of years. So I'd be I'd be cool with that. It's a good book. It just it's just interesting how it blew up so fast and yeah. so out of so, nowhere, out of nowhere, yeah. yeah so. Which like is I hadn't great. heard of it until it came out. So the day it was out, I'd never heard of the book. And honestly, that makes me really happy. You know what I mean? Like right. I, I kind of almost didn't think that could happen in this. You know what I mean? Like because for all how, the, cause for how all does that happen without Tyrese calling stores? How does that happen? <laughs> Mayhem. Mayhem. Uh, <laughs> I mean, for all intents and purposes, Mayhem. like Image's big summer book was supposed to be Viking. Yep. Yeah. You know, and like this just completely swept it well, away. And you know. that tells you how much you know is created by marketing and how much is created by actual consumer. Or yeah, the yeah. marketing people thought it'd be one thing and it turned out to be something else because yeah. the other thing was better. And that's not to take away from and that's not to take away from Viking. I mean Vikings. No, but that's just that the people spoke. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So it's it's nice also, to see that, that, are, that still exists in in the comic industry. These are still on the schedule. Whereas I mean, this is the third. No, I'm serious. This is the third yeah. one of this. Viking came out before it. There's only two of those. Yeah, that's a good point. Viking it was beautiful, but a little dense. It wasn't. It, it wasn't. I mean, it wasn't as hooky. Yeah. I would say. Um, it's just interesting to see what happens. But again, that's all because of the 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 retailers, not because of the customers. Yep. Yeah. 
But they did go to second and third printings, and that is because of the customers. Right. Yeah, no, because I mean, because I think the retailer interests, then, you know, the retailer sold it to their to the to the people, and the people spoke. And, and I know that we've been talking about it. I know other podcasts have been talking about it, and people are listening and running for it. And, and Lord knows where the hell the eBay people came from. I mean, my God. Like, I mean, you know, $80 for a CGC slab issue one was just like, okay. Like, I didn't even know that market still existed. So. The guy at CGC was like, really? This? <laughs> All right. Yeah, I guess. Where's the key? Well, it's funny. When we were interviewing um, the guys, I was holding the camera, looking down at their, de- at their desk at one point, looking at the price tag on the issues. And I was like, how can I get to my issues quickly and sell them? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Too late now, yeah, motherfucker. So. That was after the third printing. They were, they were After the second printing, they were still... Yeah, marked up. People wanted a first printing. Yeah, no, no, that's and it's still going on. I mean, I checked today. I I, I was on eBay and I checked to see what the prices are. They're still well over fifty dollars. Yeah. Well, you can Honor. check out my eBay sale. It's going to be a username blah blah blah. All right, Chew number three was the issue I read really early on, and I thought, wow, that's going to be really tough to beat, and nothing did end up beating it. But Captain America Reborn number two came very damn close. Yeah. Again, it was it was close the last time, but that was the same week that. What came out that week? Batman and Robin number two? Yes, that yeah. was the week. Yeah. Um, there, there were some fantastic sequences in this book. This was basically, I mean, if you're an old Cap fan like I am, who's been reading it for 20 years, um, they're just touching on a lot of the different histories and aspects of the character. And this is sort of, I mean, it's a cliche, but it's Cap porn. Yep. And it's beautifully mm-hmm. done, Cap porn. There's a great sequence when he's fighting um, the Nazi f- her- uh, villain in the beginning, whose name I forget. Master Man. Masterman, when he knocks him off the building and they go, they go crashing down, there's this great sequence from Brian Hitch in that. No, th- this, that. Issue, this issue eclipsed the first issue as far as I'm concerned. This issue was way better than the first issue. Yeah, I really, really like this issue a lot. I love, I love the exploration of the history of Cap because he's all about history. and he's, I mean, that's, it should never be far from his, from his story. And also the cosmic aspect, which people I see often complaining about, but it's always been a part of Cap, is a cosmic angle. Even though he's a very grounded soldier... The cosmic cube and all kinds of different things are always a part of his story, and it doesn't. It makes sense that it would, it would be part of his resurrection, should that be what's happening. Now let me, now, now let me ask you a question: As the diehard Cap fan you are, um, are you are you dismayed or annoyed at all that it's getting pulled into the Norman Osborn Dark Reign stuff? Not really, because Cap, because while while the the death of Captain America and stuff like that was tied into Civil War and all that kind of stuff, it's main it's kept mainly pretty to the side. I hadn't realized that until you said it. <laughs> I just ruined it for you, didn't I? <laughs> it's just, oh, they're fighting him too. Yeah, <laughs> not that it's I mean, bad. That's, that's a Marvel problem. But at the same time, if anybody's going to come back and beat Norman Osborn, you know, if it's Cap, I'm totally fine with that. Yeah. It would sort of be, yeah. it would, it, you know, the death of Cap sort of sent Marvel in its, in its, in my my opinion, creative spi- spiral downward. And if bring him back is what brings it back out of that spiral, then that's fine with me. Um, and Mar- I think I think it made sense the way they used. It. I mean, I mean, Norman Osborn would want to use the propaganda of a, of a return to Steve Rogers. Yeah, for his, it, it yeah. does. It does make sense. Yeah, no, but but look at it in his original notes. It couldn't have been. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I really, I, you know, the, there's something really nice. I mean, I don't know what it is about Steve Rogers, but I like his his story. I never get tired of it. Mm-hmm. I don't get tired of the idea of the the guy that wants so badly to do good that he'll do anything, and I don't mind exploring it over and over again. I think the best sequence in this book for me was the um, was when uh, Doctor Erskine gets killed, and he's got to yeah. decide what to do or not to do. Um, it's interesting, it's and I also cool. like the I like the consciousness of knowing what in his head what's happening and how he can't change it. The whole and that, that goes into the time travel. Like he's just reliving what happened. He's not there to change what happened. 
Um, that's what or he could, but he doesn't yeah. think he should, yeah. and he's got to deal with the pain of of watching all these things happen again, which is yeah. which is. You know, it's again the self-sacrificing Steve Rogers mold is uh, it's going to hurt me, but I'm going to have to do it to make you know. Yep. I'm going to have to watch these people die again. And, and I, I think Hitch really stepped it up in the art in the art department. I think it helps to have Butch Quist doing whatever he's doing with the art. But thank you. yeah, totally. And and you and you mentioned it in the in the post on ifanboy.com about the covers this week. Give it up for the Brian Hitch Captain America uh, chokehold strangling Hitler cover. <laughs> I, I you you could ne- you could put someone fighting Hitler on a cover every time. I'll like it. Well, if anybody deserves to be choked out in a comic book cover, yeah, I know exactly. Over and over and over again until we until society crumbles, it's yeah. Hitler. Yeah, great stuff. A, Tom, a Thomas Paine quote on there too. Yeah, I know. Wow. Oh. common sense. Common sense. <laughs> Give it up, common sense. <laughs> so mayhem, uh, <laughs> mayhem. So speaking of mayhem, um, uh, Savage Dragon number one fifty one uh, was probably my pick of the week this week. Um, and I know I've been, I mean, pretty much every issue for the past, like, three or four, I've been gushing about Savage Dragon, but I just, like, he continues, Eric Larson continues to surprise me, and in this particular case, uh, uh, the character Mako, who is, for the 150-issue run of Savage Dragon, every about 20 or 30 issues or so, Mako pops up and is just completely a tool of destruction and just gets into a fight, a fight into whoever he runs into. And it, it never really a strong motivation, never a big player in terms of the power structure of the book or you know, in terms of heroes and villains. He just was would show up, fight Dragon, and then disappear again and be like, oh, that shark guy again. He's the guy who's the shark body. In this issue, it starts out and Mako is fighting Daredevil um, and Daredevil gets not beat down. And uh, so Dragon's kids go try to help and they fight Mako. And finally, Mako just go, you know, yells and goes, enough, I'm just going to the old folks' home to visit my mother. And he's like, and he, this amazing, touching kind of uh kind of you know uh uh story where he's like you know every time i go out you guys fight me i can't get a job look at me i just i got i was in an accident i'm half shark now no one will talk to me i can't get a break every time i see you guys you fight me and i just my mother's dying i just want to go visit her and it was like oh my god like i did not see that coming at all and the mother dies and then and then then what happens is the building that the mother's in collapses because of the fight and then mako loses it and so uh, <laughs> which is kind of sad but <laughs> Um, wow. But it was just like I read it and I just sat back. I'm like, wow. Like Larson, man, like coming out of nowhere. And then also Dragon, uh, Dragon's dead. And He's his, still dead. His arms and legs are in the hands of the vicious circle and there some doctors are examining it. And then at the end of it, the, 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 they attack the, dark, the doctors, the arms and legs, which is very weird. But um, – and there was a weird little incestuous moment in the beginning between the kids. Yeah, there was. Yeah, that was a little creepy. Yeah, there was. <laughs> I had to read that twice to make yeah. sure I read what I read. Yeah, I wasn't sure if I was going to bring it up. But yeah, there was, uh, there was the uh, dragon son and daughter who aren't related other than dragon. They're step-siblings. They're step-siblings step were wrestling and, and uh, little dragon boy got, got excited. Wait. And she called him out on it, which is weird. And like it was. Wait, he, wait, hold on. He got a boner. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> they were talking about Daredevil, and and Dragon Son was teasing her, going, "You love his, you love his boomerangs." And then she goes, "Somebody's got a boomerang in his pocket, and it's not Daredevil." <laughs> yeah. And what's funny is the juxtaposition of that. That started the issue, and then three pages in, you've got Mako complaining about his mother. You know, it's, you know, telling the story of his mother dying, which is just like, my God. You know. I feel bad for this comic book, and I haven't read it. Oh, it's so good. I mean, just that one panel, kind of where it's you read it. Was it, a good, it was a good scene. Yep. Yeah, where he says, "Please, I just want to see my mother." It's like, oh, my. and then and, the, and then, then the turn the page, collapses. the building falls over. Oh, God. And then Mako going, "No, no, 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 no!" You know, like it was. Oh man, so good, so good. It was good. Yeah, just don't expect it at all. 
So speaking of not it's not expecting, um, we're getting really good with our segues. Um, I <laughs> I've been good for 150 episodes. <laughs> Don't say segue because I want to go drive one. <laughs> <laughs> You were good around 40 then, like you picked it up there? <laughs> yeah, anyway. Um, I, I didn't expect to buy uh, I, I didn't expect to buy or enjoy Doom Patrol number one. I, took a, um, I, I totally took a risk on it, too. I, well, what's funny, because the thing is, I think the last thing I read from Keith Giffen, and I think I just, just decided at some point, like I'm not really a Keith Giffen fan, was like the, his stories in Annihilation. Yeah. And he just writes in a certain way that I don't, I don't really like very much. Well, he was doing um, vaudeville. No, exactly. that's the end. We'll get to that in a second. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but... Uh, you know what? He didn't really do it here, but or when he did, it, it all fit. I just had fun with this issue. Yeah. In fact, well, Doom Patrol has been always a b- weird series. It's 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 you know it's a seminal series. They've been around forever, and it's a it's a b- group of misfit freak shows, and and then they always bring them back and never really catch on. They haven't really caught on since Grant Morrison wrote it. And, yeah. And I've never really been a big Doom Patrol fan, but I've always I've read them here and there, and I I picked this up most mostly for the co-feature, but. I enjoyed the first story. I enjoyed the Doom Patrol story. I enjoyed the team dynamic and the fact that you know they're not like any other team. I thought, you the, know, that the, you're I thought the action stuff at the beginning was really good. Yeah, and, yep. and I thought the, the art choice of Matthew Clark, who's kind of like I think he used to work at Wildstorm, who's like he's yeah, he was of, he's a, a Travis a of, a Travis Charest kind of disciple. Almost. He was on a lot of those Alan Moore Wildcats issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, and the, the art was the art matched the story really well. This wasn't this was more of a modern story than I was expecting. Yeah, I think that's what it was, and yeah. that's what surprised me, or I, what I really liked. But there was a lot in this I liked. It was it was sort of classic, and because I kind of went in with no expectations, I really I really had fun reading it. And then um, you know what? Before yeah. we get to the second part, you know what I really liked? There was a sequence when they're all back at base, and and the giant girl. I still don't know all their names. I barely know these characters, but the one who gets real big. Um, <laughs> we see her talking to somebody, and we pull back to find out that, that she's normal size, but the person she's talking to is little. Yeah. I like oh, that yeah. sequence. That was cool. Yeah, that was neat. She has bug eyes. Yeah. But the but the real I mean, re- the real reason for this issue to enjoy it was the co-feature. The co-feature was the re- re- reuniting of Keith Giffen, J.M.D. Matias, and Kevin McGuire, uh, the classic Justice League team, and that's why I bought the issue. Yep. And um, this was this was you know I like the Metal Men. I don't know why, but I've been enjoying them in Wednesday's comics, and then I just heard a Tom vs. the Flash episode where the Metal Men had a backup story, and I enjoyed him talking about the Metal Men. That was and really I, good. That was good. Um, I like them for some reason. They're kind of goofy and funny, and I like that they are, they sort of fit in perfectly with the, this this team's aesthetic, whereas oh, gold, is, gold is over the top and in, all into himself, and one is all insecure and uh, tin is all insecure and they all have different kind of things and they, they it fits into the comedy aspect well and and mcguire with the facial expressions on the on the characters on the metal men is just like even that that opening page where you see each character and their their expression tells you who they are and what they're like you know what i mean just in and nobody can do that like mcguire and it's my favorite is mercury i like mercury but um you yeah, know this was great i mean th- this was i mean th- this was one of the I've been skeptical about the whole co-feature, backup story, whatever you want to call it, kind of thing that DC's doing. But this was the example of yes, this works. This is it. Like I'll take this every every month. That's fine. That, and it also there's like there's there's like double the pages worth of content on these pages. Yep. And this is a shitload of panels and a ton of stuff happening in these. Like it's it's uh, it's jam packed. Yep. And they're doing stuff. vaudeville. And we were doing it's vaudeville. Do- we were doing vaudeville. It was Vaudeville. That's all anyone wanted. Have they done nothing since JLI? No, they did um, the Defenders. Yeah, they did a bunch of stuff in Marvel, and they did some. Uh, did they do anything at DC since then, or 
Vaughn. I don't know all three of them. Giffen and Maguire did those Justice League reunion one shots. Remember those? Yeah, uh, Demetrius was un- involved in that too. Yeah. I don't think he. W- I think Gif- I think the whole thing was that Giffen did the scripting for the first time on those. Oh wow. Okay. Um, I don't know if all three of them were together at DC and, and since then, but I'm, I could be wrong. Yeah. Who knows? I'm very. You get the wrong. sense that like they're famous for all working together and they hate each other. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, on a side note, I love the cover. By the way, the cover had an old Silver Age cover, and it was the but, oh, yeah. but but the new the new Doom Patrol is ripping through it or something. It was really cool. Like it was a good cool cover. So, well, if you want to get this comic and you want to get it cheaply, you can go to discount comic book service. They got monthly specials up to seventy five percent off all their comics, with forty percent off major publishers and flat rate shipping of five ninety five for all U S orders. You can buy anything that's listed in previews, and over fifty four hundred trade paperbacks are in stock and available for order. You can track them online. It's all available at dcbservice.com. Cool. So uh, we had mentioned earlier uh, Irredeemable, and Irredeemable number five came out this week. And listen, if you've heard us talking about it, you've been curious about it, go to your comic book store. The trade paperback of the first four issues came out, and it's $9.99, and issue five is $0.99. Cents. So if you want to jump on, now is the time to jump on. Word. Yeah. Mayhem. For, for like ten bucks, you can get all the issues. Yeah, oh, yeah. or for ten bucks, you can get all the issues. <laughs> That's what I mean. That's yeah. for for ten bucks, you get all the issues. For yeah, that, you know. Yeah, totally. Um, uh, sorry, mayhem threw me off again. Mayhem. I just keep flashing back to that standing next to that booth for four, an hour. Um, <laughs> the, the, I well, I love the double whammy of Irredeemable and the Mighty coming out. You, you think it'd be annoying because they cover similar ground, but I some for some reason I like that they come out at the same time and you, you sort of can get to that mindset. I always read them together. The Mighty hmm. is a little bit further behind Irredeemable in terms of his the Mighty character hasn't gone super evil yet, whereas Irredeemable, he has. The Plutonium is just he's, a he's fascinating really villain. Yeah. He's very, very bad. <laughs> he's an I, asshole. In this issue, he, he broadcasts the entire world, and he basically fucks with everybody and calls out people by name he's been listening to. He, he knows you've been ta- – I know you've been talking about me, and he threatens he's, people and – which was awesome. The, the one where he's, he, with the one where he's talking to the guy and he's like, and finally Caleb in Vancouver. And by the way, yes, it is cancer. Like it was just like, oh, it was just like talk about mind fucking with people. It was, it was the evil Santa Claus. Yeah, totally. The first the first opening pages of this w- with the with the broadcast was fantastic, and how he put the the doubt into people. Basically, his whole point is saying it's like you know I I see everything, I know everything, and I could be anywhere, I could be anyone, you know, and it it totally gave me the chills. Mm-hmm. The I would have been happy I, if that was the whole issue. Yeah, totally. The only thing I didn't like in this is I thought that the angry black superhero, which he kind of did as a joke at the beginning, was a little like long. Like, yeah, yeah, a little bit, yeah. yeah. And I and like he wasn't like that, but I was I was like, well, you're doing it. But yeah. anyway, um, well, but besides that, 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 that said, I thought I thought the whole I thought the whole exchange with the uh, with the guy who's all bandaged, the guy with the eye, like freaking out, was was great. I, I after thought, listen, after they stopped that angry guy part, yeah. It, he, I like that character a lot. It was great. All of the character interaction between the remaining heroes after that was really, really interesting. Yeah. Especially the end of the last few pages of the issue. Yeah. No, this this was a really, really strong issue. I thought. Uh, yeah. Definitely. I think it's probably my favorite of them. Yep. Very uh, cool. Sp- speaking of the mighty, I probably would have made this my pick of the week. I think. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a, such a slow burn that it's hard to tell on this one. That's like, exactly in a good the way. problem I had with it. Whereas, I I was I was looking forward to it, and it's still great. But like. Not not negative. I mean, in terms of pick of the week, I was you know when I was looking through the books, there wasn't really a contender. And before I read anything, you know, you you know when when Batman or Robin comes out, you know it's going to be a contender. Whereas this week, it wasn't really a contender open open out of the gate. But until, I think so, until something really big happens, it's going to be tough to to really highlight this book. 
I, I, I know. I think it, this is going to be one of those things that's going to make a fantastic like 12-issue trade or whatever it is when it's done. Mm-hmm. Um, I really just, just dug the hell out of this one because, I mean, like, there's no there's, – like, it's subtle, but we know that it's bad now. Right. Like, you know it's that really this character – He's really bad. Um, and, and, you know, the Chris Somni art in this one, like, I, I'm looking at this and I'm seeing, like, shades of Darwin Cook in this issue. Like really nice stuff going on, just very subtle and 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 clean. Um, really good, good sort of that almost an animated style. Uh, what I love I about love this one, this, this, this the slow burn is that it's it's getting hotter. Yes, you know, like at the end of this issue, I was like, oh sh- oh shit, like mm-hmm. where I'm actually really tense while reading this because unlike Irredeemable, which the guy's already gone overtly mm-hmm. evil, I'm waiting for at any moment to for the Alpha One to do something really bad. You know what I mean? Well, the and main so, the main dude whose name I don't know. I don't know if that's a bad thing or not. But like, the you know, he can't say anything out loud. He right. can't do anything. He can't like. It, it's impossible to get anywhere. And it's just so there's all this sort of unspoken. Ha- and every time Alpha One shows up, it's just this hanging there in the air, all tense. Oh yeah, it's a great atmospheric book. Mm-hmm. Tomasi should be commended for the mighty. Absolutely. Cool. Also, Keith Champagne. It's a co-written book. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, Screw him! Uh, I don't know who he is. I don't know. So, <laughs> what, that, sounds like a pseudonym to me. So the uh, second issue of Justice League, Gay for Justice, uh, came out. I'm sorry, Cry for Justice came out. Um, this is this is again, I, I, Connor. I can only think about when I was reading this how you, your comment about how uh, this is a great Elseworld story. Mm-hmm. Um, because as far as I can tell, this has nothing to do with anything that's going on in the DC universe. Um, and mainly, my biggest thing was the Flash Museum being destroyed. Being destroyed. Or right. having damage to it, and like, well, that's not happening. But, um, uh, and I totally lost my train of thought. No, but it was. <laughs> well, uh, I, I had two points about this 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 issue. One, I I, I really like um, Mauro Cassicoli. Okay. Is that whatever. I'm sorry, Cassioli. I apologize. Cassioli. Um, I just don't know if he's right for this particular book. Yep. Like the opening sequence ha- is a really great scene between Ollie and Hal on a rooftop in Gotham, and, and Ollie's making fun of Hal because he had a threesome with the Huntress and Lady Blackhawk. Yep. And it should be sort of jocular, but everyone is very angry. Yes, yeah. Very serious, and it, yeah. It, it didn't fit the tone of the conversation. Yep. And it just it sort, of, I, it sort of made me stop and, and think about how the art didn't fit. Whereas it just – because every expression in this, in this comic is one of grim determination. Yep. Which doesn't really fit <laughs> the conversation. Although in the conversation itself, I thought that was a great character moment in that Hal, Hal says he doesn't want to be known for his flings. He wants to be known for the planes he flew. I thought that was a really nice – yeah, bit from from James Robinson, but the art just doesn't fit. But, the other but, thing I thought about was they never really they haven't really been playing up Hal's Lothario side, but which he has. But like this, like very angry grim guy wouldn't be having these threesomes. Yeah. Like I can't picture this Hal getting a bottle of grappa and having the threesome with Huntress and Lady Black. Right, yeah. You know what I mean? That was old. That was before he died. N- no. I, yeah. Well, I, you know what's funny? I really enjoyed this issue. More, well, a lot more I, than, other than that, I enjoyed it a lot. I just yeah, thought about yeah. it. Well, well, it was my, much better than the first one. I thought, I thought the scenes and the dialogue was great. My only, my only question is that – and I, 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 I happen not to like the art for the same reasons that you have. But this is the second issue of Seven, and I feel as if we haven't started yet. Well, you know what? At the end, everybody – at the last one, everybody was like, ooh, Congorilla Bill. And I was like, whatever. In this one, I was like, I like him. That was neat. I really liked the, the scene between him and Michael. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's Michael, so it's a, it's a character from Starman. I don't know if you guys have gotten that far with him yeah, yet. I have. 
Um, but but you know, I like to see him back, and, and it's James Robinson writing him. I know that I don't ever want to spend any time around Ray Palmer. I love just, Ray Palmer. Well, it's just spe- a down. Well, speaking of Ray Palmer, I'm so the, happy that he was in this issue. I don't know why, but I love yeah. him. I love every second. Well, speaking of Ray Palmer, the, the shining star of this issue was the the Adam uh, essay in the back. The essay in the back was great. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, talk about. I mean, if you're if you're into comics history and and that sort of thing, I mean, this is James Robinson writing it. I mean, you could tell, and mm-hmm. it, and this is just great. It was just really really cool. So, and he wrote frogs. So, <laughs> yeah. Yep. No, I'm really, I'm really excited about this, where this goes, and how it leads into his his JLA book, which I don't, I'm now after finishing after the first issue, I was kind of iffy, but after this one, I'm really now excited for that that series. Yeah, interesting. How you I can like turn it around? So, um, so Amazing Spider-Man number six hundred one coming off the heels of the the big six hundredth issue extravaganza, and uh, we get Mary Jane back in the picture, um, and I thought this it, it, like. Continuing the amazingness of Amazing Spider-Man in this run, I thought they handled Mary Jane perfectly in this, and they handled Peter dealing with Mary Jane perfectly. And um, you know, I want to give it up for Mark Wade for writing a really, really good issue. And I've been struggling with the artist uh, Mario Alberti because I, I, at some points it reminded me a lot of Tim Sale. At other points, it reminded me a lot of the artists that work for Avatar. At other points, it reminded me a lot of like 2000 AD artists, and I think that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. So. I thought at some points it was fantastic. Yeah. And at other so points I. it was really bad. Yeah. It really depended on what page. Like the page where he goes back to Queens. Yep. And he's standing in front of Aunt May's house. His arms there are it is, very weird. You things. saw how he went back though. Yeah. Right. You got your answer. Now we know. He takes off the, he takes off the suit and, and he walks from well, the subway. Yeah, he, ta- yeah, he takes the F train <laughs> and then he goes from there. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, the F train does not go above ground, but whatever. Um, <laughs> Wait, yes, it does. Yes, it does. Not, and not, not Queens. So, oh, not, not in yeah. Forest Hills. Yeah, but it does. So, okay. Anyway, go on. Um, but like, there's some really weird perspective things. But I loved the pages in the beginning when he's waking up from the one night stand with his roommate. Yeah. Like that was some really great European style art that yeah. I really liked. I mean, like there there are some pages that blew me away, and there's some pages. I guess so. I guess so. Being inconsistent is a bad thing. But there are some pages where I was just like, "Who is this guy?" Yeah. So some yeah, there's some like that. Others where I was like, "Ugh." Yeah. There's that little backup story in there by by Casada. Yeah. And, and I remember Bendis. a couple of weeks ago. Well, you're right. But a couple of weeks ago on Twitter, I think it was. I think I'm going to say David LaFuente said you should never draw Spider-Man's face showing through the mask. Yeah, yes. And then like three or four other artists are like, hell yeah. And then there's Joe Quesada doing it. Yeah, I know. He's the boss. He can do oh, that. He's the boss. This was, I uh, liked the way he drew him. I liked it. Well, except except for when he, the OU and the eyes got really thin, like they got slim. I love that trope. I mean, that's, that's a classic Spider-Man thing where the eyes get big or small depending on what he's doing. I mean, that's just a, yeah. That's was, one of my favorite I, things about Spider-Man. I don't know, but I thought it was a good. I thought it was. I thought it was a good little backup story. And again, we get hints of the ramifications of him t- giving his identity to the Avengers. So mm. further, something is going to happen. They, they've coming, been yeah. telegraphing now with. With uh, the the whole Nova thing, uh, what's that called? It's the big crossover that like War of Kings. With that all wrapping up, this is like the best title that they have at Marvel right now. It really is the two page spread that fact that uh, works in the Silver Age panels. I love that how they they, they basically said this was Jessica Jones yeah, in the old books. Awesome. There, yeah. awesome. That's neat. So that's a good retcon. I approve of that retcon. Um, very quickly, they, uh, I wanted to talk about House of Mystery number sixteen. The one thing, the reason I wanted to bring this up is, and Ron, you'll like this, at one point, uh, pages four and five in this, it's just a giant two-page spread cutaway of the entire house. 
and it's oh, everybody. Really? Oh, cool. I love yeah. the cutaway. Yeah, okay. Which is awesome. And it like sort of goes through the conversations that people are having in different rooms in the house, uh, you know, away from each other, and you get like an idea about it. And then there's like the one hidden room. That's awesome. There's like a dead body, like like the uh, butcher, like the uh, what's his name from the yeah. the butcher Chicago, Ooh, that kind of thing. Speaking of that, I, I read the new Rick Erie, and it's awesome. Does he do one every two months? The the famous players one. It's about uh, a, a Hollywood director in the twenties who got murdered. Awesome. Yeah. Well, anyway, that was, it was a fun issue, but that was a really like I got to that page and I was like, that is inspired. That's fantastic. Yeah, so. love love more cutaways. cutaways. There should yeah. be more cutaways in comics. Always use cutaways. Maps. Yes. Um, Maybe in every issue. <laughs> not every issue. Once a year. Cut away the body. You show the internal workings. Well, of the, that, of that, the body. that was the kind of thing. Like it used to pop up at least in Marvel. Like in the annuals. Like in the annual, you get all these backup pages where they. Or, like, they or you the, get them in the letters column. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh, so good. So, all right. So, go to ifanboy.com forward slash comics. You can see all the books that came out this week. And I was bummed because I, I, my, uh, there was a problem with the Diamond to the West Coast, and I didn't get, I didn't get the War Kings books. I didn't get Echo. I didn't. It was, it was a bummer. So. Um, but what can you do? Right, so I go to ifanboy.com forward slash comics and see what I didn't read yet. I'll have to wait till next week. Some of you did get um, did get your books this week and uh, wrote some reviews, so we want to highlight them. And our uh, first review comes from Zombox, who uh, reviewed Superman World of New Krypton number six and gave the story a four out of five and the art a four out of five. And at the time of this recording, 1.4% of the iFan base has made it their pick of the week. And Zombox says... Read this, two, read this two times as it was meaty and fulfilling in every way a superhero comic book should be. It focuses on – oh, I guess he said read this two times. Yes. yes. Yeah. Read this two times as it was meaty and fulfilling in every way a superhero comic book should be. It focuses on the growing relationship, relationships between Superman and his Kryptonian family in the wake of Zod's assassination. It is deeply in touch with the Man of Steel's nobility, honor, and sense of right in the world. When the assassin flees, it seems to indicate that perhaps – Ursa assisted him since she tried to assist Superman in a similar way just a few issues ago. Why does the assassin flee to Earth? I cannot wait to find out. Zod got assassinated? He's no. not dead okay. yet. He got shot. <laughs> he got dead. shot by Captain America. He's not dead yet. <laughs> it was a really strong issue. He's he's continues to be really strong. <laughs> I can't believe I did that. I would like to apologize. Yeah. I thought I was over it. That was a great issue. You know what? I love the, the, the thing they've set up with Zod here. Like, he's a hero to the Kryptonians after we've known him as the ultimate bad guy for who knows how many decades. Great. And they great. had the great final page where uh, he's, Superman's going to chase this guy to Earth, and he can't go in his military garb, so he's going to have to be a job for Superman. Oh, are they going to do that moment? Well, he had a, he, he, he's got, like, a closet, and you see the suit hanging there. We haven't seen the suit in six months. Yeah. It, seem, it seems like he'd have a more effective way of hanging his clothing. It takes up a lot of space. He's also <laughs> I guess they don't see the boots have, anywhere. Yeah. yeah. He's gonna go. He should be barefoot in the next issue. We have a whole. <laughs> he forgot something. Uh, the Do next. You think it's been re- six months. I I lose track of time. I can believe it easily. Um, <laughs> the next user review up is from the next champion. But of what? Who wanted to talk about Deadpool Merc with a Mouth number two story? A one out of five. The art a four out of five. If you followed the website at all, you know that he loves Deadpool. Uh, pick of the week percentage of that is point one one percent. This title is going to be dropped. There's no other way. <laughs> He's going to drop it? Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, carry on. Hey, man, you're a guy who read Flash for years. Uh, this title is going to be dropped. There's no other way around it. After reading possibly the calmest Deadpool issue in history, the jokes are flat and not funny. The action makes no sense, and there is little to no character development. You have to understand that even as a Deadpool fanatic, I have standards. If you can't write a good Deadpool, then the character is not interesting. Gishler is a good enough writing, and he can certainly plot a story, but when it comes to actually writing the story, he just can't get it done. 
I want to read that like a political commercial. <laughs> but when it comes to actually writing the story, he just can't get it done. Vote Bloomberg. <laughs> Paid for by the Association for Deadpool. <laughs> Oh, wow. Well, I got to give him credit. I mean, if he's doing what I couldn't do and dropping a book, that's not good. You know? Well, let's see if it actually happens. Yeah. There's lots of, lots of threats to drop things. It's, it's like Zombies ripoff cover on this one. Oh, Jesus. So uh, go to ifanboy.com forward slash comics, do your pull list, and come back and rate and review them, and you can get a review on the show. Uh, my wife's away this weekend, so that means that I got Netflix movies that she wouldn't watch, and it's awesome. Uh, you can go to Netflix uh, for over 100,000 titles, no late fees, free shippings both ways, Blu-ray titles, fast delivery. You can watch them on your computer, your Xbox, your Roku box, all sorts of ways to, to watch the online shows. They're adding more to that stuff all the time. Most of this stuff ships in just one day, and the plans start from for only $4.99. You can get a free two-week trial at www.netflix.com slash iFanboy. What kind of movies? Like Gladiator movies? <laughs> No, I got a shark documentary and a Korean horror movie. Nice. I continue, a Korean horror movie? I continue yeah. to emasculate myself, and after watching the, the holiday last week, this weekend I'm going to watch He's Just Not That Into You. <laughs> There's words I want to call you that I can't say in public. Nope. <laughs> All right. I have weeds. Awesome. Season three. Jeez. They go yeah. fast, huh? Yeah, they do. So, uh, Connor... You you have the book of the month. You had the the sacred task, but it's an easy one this month. Yeah, well, it was easy because I knew what it was way at a time, but I didn't write the review until one in the morning, <laughs> the night before it was due. That's your own. Because that's how we roll, I fanboy. That's your own. Uh, mayhem. <laughs> <laughs> Richard Starks Parker, the hunter from Darwin Cook, is this week's this month's book of the month, and this is a book that was announced. At San Diego last year, a year ago, when when IDW announced that they struck a deal with Darwin Cook to adapt a bunch of of uh, Richard Stark or Donald Westlake, whatever you want to call him, what his his books, and now one year later, here's the first book. And I am a big crime f- fiction fan, crime comic fan, big huge Darwin Cook fan, and so there's a lot of expectations leading into this book, and it met and exceeded all of them. I think this is some of the best work Darwin Cook's done. There's some fantastic. Uh, artwork and storytelling. This, the, whole, the whole opening s- series of the book is a 14-page silent sequence, except for one, I think, one exchange of dialogue in the very beginning and one caption on the first page. After that, it's all silent. And you get the atmosphere, you get the, the environment, you get the character, you get everything you need in those first 14 pages. You know the whole world by the time it's done and you haven't spoken a single word. It's all in the art and it's all in the characterization in the art. And it's just some fantastic... I mean, it's black and it's black and white with some gray tones, and it's just beautiful from Darwin Cook. I mean, I know you guys read it and loved it too. I mean, the the if you ask me, the the two page spread, the setting, you know, we get the opening title page of the you know the Richard Starks Parker the Hunter, and then you turn the page and a two page view of New York City in big block white letters that say New York City, 1962. Like as soon as I turned it, I was like, oh damn, like this is <laughs> going to be good. This is going to be really good. It's one of those things like where you you hear the term hard-boiled a lot and you hear people talking about crime books and you hear guys like Dwayne Straczynski and, and Ed Brubaker and Greg Rucker talk about crime books and things like that and this is like the dirtiest rootsiest part of it and it was I just felt like I mean I, I don't know I wasn't around in the 60s but this seems this seems pretty pretty dead on at least with a romantic notion of what that is in all ways I just think I just think that it's the the book itself the the book itself i think represents a change like like darwin cha- is changing the game with this book 
Like in, in, changing the game. In, in, in terms of <laughs> in terms of in terms of what the expectations for a graphic novel is, just in terms of the presentation, the dust jacket is done in a very way that's. More, it looks like a novel. It, it looks, looks like, like a novel. If, yeah. if you hold it, it, it's the size of a hardcover novel. It's yep. got the treat, cover treatment of a hardcover novel. Yep. It doesn't look like a comic. It doesn't. Look, I put it on my shelf in my trade. It doesn't look like anything else on my shelf. Yep. I, I thought about putting it with my prose books just for for a minute, just because it's it looks like those. And but. the the way that the way that he approached the the art itself and how. Like through the story, we see you know the present day what's happening, and then there's the flashback of what happened with the heist, and those flashback panels are a little fuzzy, you know, like just the subtlety of what what he's done in terms of telling this story and integrating the the visual art with the words and with with uh, Stark or Westlake's uh, you know prose is just it's it's and is amazing. It's it's just it completely blew me away. My expectations were shattered when I finished reading it. It was just, well, the, yeah. quickly the story is, and if you've seen the film Payback, it's that was based on this book, and there was a Lee Marvin film whose name escapes me at this very second. But um, Parker is a criminal who was who was. It opens up. He's st- storming back in New York, very, 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 very angry. <laughs> yeah. And you find out through the course of the book why he's angry because he was on a heist with a crew of guys. They were robbing people. They were robbing a plane full of um, what was in the plane. I don't remember. Um, it was a robbery, and the, the, the heist at the, it went badly at the end, where one guy decided he wanted all the loot and he wanted Parker's girl, so he killed everybody else. He thought he killed Parker, took off with the money and the girl, and now Parker's back for revenge. Revenge and his money. I thought it was really interesting. I mean, this is a, this is a Westlake thing, not a Cook thing. But um, Parker doesn't want the, all the money. He wants his money. He could, couldn't yeah. care less what happens to the rest of the money. He just wants what was owed to him, and he wants his revenge. And this guy for sh- you know sh- killing killing the other guys and shooting him and taking his girl. And it's a brutal book. I mean, there's there's no good guys here. If, if there are people who are not bad, they show up and they're very quickly dispatched, yeah. or they're or they're incidental. But these are all bad people, and Parker is. Just as bad. He's got his principles and his morals, and he's 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 somewhat less bad than the main bad guy who Parker is chasing. But he he kills lots of people in this book, including people Innocent. who, yeah, including people who are shocking in their death. And he usually does it with his hands. I mean, he's a he's a brutal character. Yep. Um, I mean, and and the thing about it also is is the time period. I mean, somewhat like we you know we're big fans of like you know Goodfellas and things like that, and and the time period. Like I love the time periods of like the fifties and sixties of a different time. And just looking at that opening sequence that you talked about, which I'm flipping through right now, where it's mainly silent and it's just Parker storming, walking in the middle lane of the George Washington Bridge. And so you get this idea like you don't walk on the George Washington Bridge, and so you get this idea of traveling, right? And then. You know, go walking in and jumping the turnstile of a subway. You can't do that now. Then going into a, going into a coffee shop and you know, smoking a cigarette, he breaks the filter off the cigarette. Then he walks into the DMV and gets a blank license and just creates a new identity for himself. Then he you know crumples it up, puts it in his wallet, and you see him walk into a bank and claim that he's lost his checkbook and and he just keeps trying banks until he finds the name that matches the one he picked for himself to to bankroll to bankroll this you know his stuff. It's just like think of it, the level of stuff that happens in this book, and it's got to be based in some sort of reality by Westlake. You know, like there must be people who did this at that time. It's just a time that that I can't relate to because that's so not of this time now. You know, right. and and that hard boiled aspect of just like you know Parker is the and we talked about this a lot in San Diego when we talked about the book Parker is the quote unquote good guy of this book but he's not a good guy. No, he's the protagonist. Yeah, he's the protagonist, but most, he's not, he's not the a good most guy. You could say. Yeah. <laughs> I like how he he took a meeting, right? Did he go yeah, up he and saw the? So I like how he tried that first, though. Yeah, <laughs> he, <laughs> he went took to a meeting with like, the mob boss. 
I, I need you to pay me. I'm going to kill him. Yep. <laughs> uh, can't. Uh, all right, fine. I'll kill you. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, it was the, the phone conversations with the mob bosses were the best. That was great. That was like... But you know what? It's it, it, it is infinitely entertaining to like to do it to see a character who takes no shit. Yep. And that's, that's why antiheroes are so popular. The Wolverines or the Han Solos of you know people people it's, want it's to be able to do that. It's possible that it can be done badly, and it's been done sure. badly a lot. But I, for some reason, you know, the combination of of the way that this is all done, like you were just like, let's watch these assholes kill each other. Yeah. That's fine with it. And the really tough guys, kind of, you know, it's it's just fun to watch. Um, and and you know, that's that Darwin aesthetic of. It's perfect. You know. we, we joke all the time about how he's a, he's a man from the '60s, and this is perfect for him. I mean, all all the women are these hourglass dames, and they all smoke, and all the guys are in suits, and they all smoke, and it's all. It perfectly suits his style, and, and he he was already one of my top five favorite artists. And and this is even a different Darwin style. It's it's an angrier art. The art is mm-hmm. is rougher. It's not as clean as like say New Frontier is. Yep. It's 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 there's some there's some panels where I, I said in the review it looks like the art is slashed on the page rather than drawn. It's just sort of the he takes the story and he put he reflects it in the art and that it's an angry story full of angry people and the art is angry and rough to fit that. And I mean. Parker has these big, gnarly hands. If you look at, there's a lot of close-ups of his hands because they're they're big and strong. It's part of his his character, and and he just has these big knuckles and these big, rough lines that that make up the hands. And it's all it's all in the art, and the art is just fantastic. I, it was just a beautiful, beautiful book. Yeah, and 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 the art, and and again, I don't want to I don't want to discount the writing and the way the art and the words dance together and work together because I think that the narration was done in the right place at the right time. And it never got in the way of the art. The art never got in the way of the dialogue. Like it just all worked together in like a like a in like a concert, like a beautiful music. So, and this the story behind this, I guess, if people don't know, is that you know Richard Stark has been around for a long time, He's and dead. he never, well, right, but he never let anybody adapt his stuff. It, no, and no, he let name. him adapt it. He just didn't let him use the characters' names. Right. Yeah. So he didn't let it be called what it was originally called because he didn't trust it. And this was. The first time that anybody's done that, yeah. um, you know, based solely on on Darwin sending them like a, a treatment with pages and stuff, and and you know it was a dance, but you know it was no small thing that this happened because you know these stories are well known. This is a well known author. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, there's there's a you know we the, there's a note in the um, some of the materials we got, which was that it took them months and months and months to get Westlake to agree to let this happen at all, but it was mostly due to the fact that. Darwin did some sketches and some some sample art, and he it was they talked for a while, and and eventually he won him over to to realize that this would be something that he'd do out of love, and it would be and, you know, Darwin loves this book, he loves the story. Yep. He made him a drink, drink it, <laughs> and 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 I guess we could probably tease it that um, we did talk to Darwin about this book in San Diego, and in a couple of weeks it's gonna be on our video show, so you want to stay tuned. We talked uh, a lot about. Uh, Parker and and uh, the book itself, as well as Westlake and the whole process and everything. So, uh, so tune into that after all the San Diego episodes come out. Yeah, so. but this is Woo. this is great. If you this is something you can give to people who, again, who don't read comics, who like crime stuff. Who there's a lot of you know Richard Stark slash Donald Westlake's got a big following. So, yeah. if you know any people, people who read those books, so you can give them this kind of book. If you like crime stuff, if you like Darwin Cook, it's 
it's beautiful comic booking. No, this is yeah, this is I mean this is and it this better be nominated and and it's going to be close <laughs> close next year for an Eisner next year and it's it's like it's everything this this is should be held up as a crowning achievement for our medium and our world and and it goes outside of the local comic book store to the bookstores and to the libraries. I think that hopefully this series of books has last for many many years. So. And the next one's been working right now. He's he's aiming for the first half of next year. So great. So, and don't forget to go to ifanboy.com and read your whole well-written review um, of the book. So even, you. Though, even though it was last minute and 1 a.m. <laughs> that's, that's, when the, that's when the magic happens. That's life. That's, that's when you can squeeze out the juice. That's when oh, mayhem. Oh, mayhem. Mayhem. <laughs> Anyone read Mayhem? I did. I bought it. Okay. How, how was yeah, it? It was a comic book. So, um, <laughs> so normally we uh, we get your we get your emails and your voicemails and we uh, read them and listen to them and answer them. But since we talked about Parker, we're going to skip that this week. So be sure to email contact at ifanboy dot com or call one eight 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 fanboys one eight 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 three two six two six nine seven. Any questions you might have, you might want to get on the show. Uh, let us know. So I was terrified of catching that guy's eye at the convention. Like, oh, I did. If he- we make eye contact, he's going to come over here and make me buy mayhem. I got a what up, baby. <laughs> no, no, not not Tyrese. Oh, I mean, the, the, guy, the Hawking guy. Yeah, the guy selling Marvel Marvel Parker. Yeah. I was scared he was going to come over and make me buy it. Mayhem? You ain't, you ain't got mayhem in your hands. You ain't got nothing. You come over here and put mayhem in your hands. Mayhem! <laughs> <laughs> and there were like legions of people following them around the con everywhere. It was amazing. They just like run out of people. No matter where they went, that worked. You'd be like, I love mayhem! <laughs> Ty- what is... Oh. Yeah. Good for them. Good for them. I, I tip my hat to them. So. No, they sold a lot of comics. They so did, good. yeah. And, they, and I don't know if you saw on Twitter this week, but Liefeld did a sketch. Todd McFarlane did a sketch. Like, Jesus. Yeah, so good good for them. So, mayhem. Mayhem. All right. So uh, we got some giveaways for our members. Some mayhem for the iFanboy members. I've got my fingers crossed. <laughs> so, uh, Josh, why Am I not eligible? Am I eligible? Give us our update Can't on work. the Thirst giveaway. Uh, the Thirst poster, which is signed by the director, um... Chanwook Park. Wait, Chen- I'm going to get that wrong. It's, I don't have it in front of me, and I'm mixing up all of his names, which I think makes me a racist. But um, <laughs> the director signed that. Uh, from everything I hear, this movie's supposed to be amazing. Yeah, no, it's I know cre- people have seen it. They said it's great. So old, yeah. old boy so, was fantastic. So yeah. that was yeah, his other so, thing. So they he signed it. There's details that'll be linked in the post. They're up on the site. You have until the end of the month to sign up and become a member. If not, we're going to pick. Uh, it, uh, one member to win that poster and then three more members to win CD soundtracks. A CD is a plastic disc where they put music on. Oh, you may what? run. I hear those they things. do what? Yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> so, um, so definitely be sure you make sure you become a member to, for your chance to win the Thirst poster. But this week we have three copies of Blackest Night number one, all signed by writer DC Comics superstar Jeff Johns. And, is he a new up and coming writer? Uh, the new, this new kid we keep hearing about, Jeff Johns. Um, <laughs> they smell like Slurpees. <laughs> they, they have a red tinge to them. So. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so uh, so Black is Night number one. I know a lot of you are hoping you're going to win this, and only three lucky iFanboy members win. And Connor, who are they? The first winner is Neil Oliver. The second winner is Dan Bruins, and the third winner is Matthew Strahl. Mayhem! So congratulations, Neil, Dan, and Matthew. We will be uh, contacting you to let you know you won, as well as put them in the mail for you. So, um, so congratulations. And listen, the only way you can win is by becoming an iFanboy member. So, uh, so we're doing lots more giveaways like this. Uh, it's just going to get better and better. So if you haven't signed up to become a member, do that today. And you can do that at, at uh, uh, ifanboy.com forward slash store. And we'll talk a little more about that in a second. got to be in it to win it. Got to be in it to win it. Oh, God. So- if you this past weekend saw G.I. Joe Rise of Cobra, 
Exciting. <laughs> you might want to hear our special edition podcast on it, which you can find on the podcast feed directly behind this show yep. as per usual. So check that out. If you're on iTunes, it'll be under the show. If you're on another podcast aggregator, it'll be on the show. If you like going to the site and playing the direct download, the player on the site, Flash you can player. check that out. Flash player. What have you. However you want to call it. Whatever what, words what you want to use. Hmm. I've never really been to our site before. <laughs> All right. I'm just groping in the dark for words. So you can check that out on Special Podcast and G.I. Joe, Rise of Cobra. <laughs> I'm not staying in hotels with anybody words. I only want words. Hold still. No, I don't have any words. There's no words in my pocket. Ah, ma'am. <laughs> ma'am. So, um, so, yeah, so the G.I. Joe Special Edition Podcast is just another podcast that we do. Um, we've been banging them out for you, as well as this show, as well as the Talksplodes and Booksplodes, as well as all the great written content on iFanboy.com. And we do that all for free. And we do those giveaways, like we mentioned. So if you want to become an iFanboy member, it helps us out in the process. Uh, we've got two levels. You can sign up for $4 a month or $42 a year, and that gets you some stickers, some buttons, and we send you a free comic book. Uh, or you can sign up for $10 a month or $100 a year, and they get you all that great stuff, plus an iFanboy members t-shirt, and it helps iFanboy keep going. We appreciate everyone who's become a member, and please, uh, 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 for those of you who think about doing it, we know times are tough, but uh, if you like this free content that we do and we'll always do for you, uh, sign up to become a member to help out iFanboy today. Mayhem. Go to ifanboy.com uh, for the pick of the week, the written pick of the week, and the written uh, book of the month review, as well as all the other stuff that goes up there and the discussions and things like that. We have lots of real good discussions this week. Um, been, a, been a good uh, couple of weeks at ifanboy.com. Uh, we, we've taken the stewardship back from Paul, and, and things are running smoothly again. From his cold, uh, dead hands. Cold, dead hands. Yeah, we found him in a well, – he, he had the key. <laughs> and he was passed down a car in the Appalachians. Uh, you can go to ifanboy.com slash about, and you can find out who we are. Like, you'd need to know that. But also links to all of our social networking uh, places and things like that, uh, which are good to have. Yeah, and while you're at ifanboy.com, you can go to ifanboy.com slash store, and you can find our T-shirts. The Power Responsibility shirt, which is now in Marvel continuity, is $15. You can get that. It's limited edition. And, you, and also, there is the classic... I like to call it the classic. It's the iFanboy intern t-shirt, which is still available at revision3.com slash store. Yes. And if you go to iFanboy.com forward slash Amazon, that's where you can have the iFanboy official portal into Amazon.com where you can buy all your comic books and graphic novels like Parker, um, as well as uh, CDs and DVDs and uh, books and video games and all that fun stuff that you get from Amazon. It helps us out in the process. So go to iFanboy.com forward slash Amazon. Video show every single Wednesday. This last past week, you saw the first part of our epic San Diego coverage, two thousand nine, as well as uh, the as well as the new direction we're taking iFanboy in. I am. We saw Tyrese and his crew, and we figured, you know, we need to we need to get down with the hip and the hop. I wish I'd oh, thought gosh. of that before Sunday at three. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> it could have been a lot funnier. Anyway, I thought it was still pretty funny. This next week coming up, uh, more San Diego. So there you go. And then after that. Probably San Diego. <laughs> Jesus. Get used to we it. Shot, we shot too much. We shot too much. But you like that. It's fun. Right? You people who can't answer me. Man. And I'm going to assume the affirmative mayhem. <laughs> you can send an email at contact at ifanboy.com. Leave a voicemail at 888-FANBOYS, which is 326-2697. Any questions, comments, concerns, discussion topics. It's like – it's like being in a war. Like nobody else understands it unless you were at San Diego and saw it in action. Oh, I <laughs> or totally next to that booth for two hours. I see the appeal of being in that crew. Uh, yes, it's so empowering just to be like, Man, I don't have anything to say. I just shout, "May hurt!" <laughs> like a dog who barks. It's awesome. 
So um, if you like what we do, head over to iTunes and write a review. Currently, we're at 473 reviews. So we got eight more since last week, and we're on the push to 500. When we get to 500, we can truly yell mayhem and actually have it mean something. So uh, go to iTunes and write a review. It uh, helps people discover the show, as well as, you know, if, outside of iTunes, just tell people about iFanboy. Go to your comic book store, tell your friends. Um, we would love to uh, get the word out about the show and the website. So Your T-shirt. Tell them what it means. Woo. Exactly. So. Call it. End it. Mayhem. All right. I'm Connor. I'm Ron. Let's, let's never speak of this again. <laughs> and a clarion call shouted throughout the silence, and they did say, Mayhem. I'm Josh. Walking around in this dress that she wore, she's gone with the jokes to say. Pretty 